everyone, and welcome again to another podcast presented by Sage Tech. I'm Tim Sage. And I'm David Sage. Joining us today is a fellow colleague and accomplished rigger, Andrew Fulton. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Appreciate being here. Yeah, we appreciate you being with us. Yeah, it's great, Andrew. So, you know, you and I, have we've had the pleasure of working on many projects together over the years. Uh, and your your experience and accomplishments are really well known uh, in this industry. Can you tell us, you know, tell our listening audience here just, uh, you know, a brief story of how you started out uh, kind of in this industry and, and becoming an accomplished rigger? Yeah, sure. No problem. I have had a very interesting path, uh, working career, as you will. I basically grew up in a construction family, so I I've been around reading blueprints and putting tool lists together and having meetings about projects since I was a kid. I saw that happening. When I moved to Vegas in 92, 93, I was interested in acting. So I started auditioning here in town. Then I started working as a production assistant, a PA as they call them in the film and television industry. Then I got interested in the lighting side of it because I was watching the grips all the time and I like working on ladders and working with my hands and gadgets and stuff. And so I started learning the lighting side of the business of the film and television side and was working in the little studios in town and auditioning and also still doing construction. And I worked as a rock climbing guide as well. So just always doing different jobs. I've never had a normal job literally in my life. So just doing all these different skills and working on commercials and I, wanted to get into I had learned that I needed to get into the stagehands union in Las Vegas if I wanted to work as a grip on movies and so I would go down to the union you know they had filmed Con Air they'd filmed Casino a bunch of big blockbusters had been in Vegas and um, I just I wanted to work on those big movies and so I'd go to the union and the union's like nah we're we're not hiring anybody right now. We're not signing anybody up. So I was kind of just relegated for the first couple years to just working the small film and television scene in Las Vegas, which was great because I started building all these relationships. Well, probably around 1997, some coworkers that I worked with in Red Rock Canyon guiding rock climbing had started talking about they they had met a fellow in town whose family owned a lighting business called cinema services and they were starting to learn rigging well oddly enough cinema services was a company that also did film and television work and i had been trying to get work with cinema services so my buddies um had been working with this fellow named seamus brennan and I had heard Seamus's name enough times that I just called up Cinema Services. Um, I'd already been talking to a different department there, but I asked for Seamus and I connected with him and told him that I was friends with these guys that he was already employing, that I would be a good rigger for him, that I uh, have a construction background and I'm a rock climber, et cetera. And man, I, I want to do this. And I was really doing this because I knew I needed to get into IATSE because my buddies had just gotten into IATSE. So it was like, wow, I need to make this happen so I can do this other thing. I had no idea really what entertainment rigging 
was about and what these guys had been doing for a little bit. So anyway, at the end of the conversation with Seamus, he goes, can you work today? And I go, today? And he goes, yeah, this afternoon at the Sands Convention Center. Can you, can you work? I need you. I was like, sure. So he gave me a tool list, you know, to bring a rope. And I, it was just a rock climbing harness then, um, a crescent wrench. Uh, that's something all stagehands have to show up with. And he said, if you have a multi-tool, bring that. Um, and I hustled down to the Sands Expo. And that was when they still, uh, they didn't even have D-Hall then. They were building the Venetian. That was not open. And uh, I found my way to this job in the middle of this little convention center. The Sands is kind of, it was smaller back then. And I see my buddies and I walk up and they're like, Andrew, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I called Seamus and he said to come to work. And literally that is how my career as an entertainment rigger started because of a phone call that I made in the morning. And then I'm on a job site in the afternoon and the whole reason i was trying to get into the union to be a grip <laughs> that's that's great one Isn't thing what one yeah. thing kind of leads to another and i think that's a great <laughs> example here to our listening audience and something we've kind of shared you know in these times it, you've got to put yourself out there you never know sometimes by making a phone call or or just uh sending an email something to just say hey i'm interested i'm eager I'm willing, you know, you, 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 you're not going to go wrong by, by adding me to your team. And I think that's, that's just a great, it's a great example here of, of uh, you know, the worst that could, they could have said is, you know, now, not at this time, but you just keep trying. But in this instance, it just opened your, the door to, to the world of entertainment and rigging and, and something that um, uh, has just fueled you over the years. And, and you've done, uh, done amazing things with. So that's Andrew. Uh, Andrew, how old were you at the time when this job came about? With Seamus? Yeah. So I would have been, I would have been 25. 25. Yeah. Well, I remember obviously, I remember obviously back, back in the day that those particular years, and there weren't many riggers, you know, you never really heard much about who a rigger was and what they actually did. And as we both know that, uh, you know, rigging at that time going forward exponentially has, has really turned itself into a master's uh, art, uh, if you will. And so uh, to that point, uh, I, I know you're involved with a company here and I'd like you to tell us a little bit about Rigging International Group and some of the projects that the company's involved with. Sure, I'd be happy us about to. Rig. Sure, I'd be happy to. Rigging International Group is a company that I started with a couple other partners in 2016, the spring of 2016. And it's a rope access construction company. So Rigging International Group, we call ourselves RIG because R-I-G. And we have a training center in Las Vegas where we train Spratt and IRATA, which those are two organizations that provide rope access certifications. And there was a need at that time to set up an incredible training center here in Las Vegas to provide this education and this training 
for a growing industry. It wasn't happening here yet. It had only people had done it, but it only dabbled in it. Nobody had just jumped in and really made that happen. And also part of our business model. So we have the training business model and then we have the services model. Rigging International Group, we have contractors licenses and we bid on projects. And so we're out there pursuing work in the rope access work at height realm as well. Here in Las Vegas, we just finished working at Allegiant Stadium where we were there for over a year and just involved with projects all over that building. And the first project that we worked on was with Freysene, which was the big cable support roof system. And Freysene is a, a come, I hope I'm saying that name right, but they're a French company that builds big suspension cable structures. Like they had just finished a large bridge over in the Mediterranean, I believe like in the Bosphorus Straits or something. So mega projects and this roof, at Allegiant Stadium is the first of its kind built here in the United States. The Thomas and Mack Center, where I manage the rigging for UNLV, has a similar roof, but that's it. It's a cable roof, but it's only similar. So uh, Freysenet, French company, they know what rope access is. Rope access is huge in Europe. Um they knew that they needed our services. And so we became engaged with them early on. And then from that part of the job and what we were doing, various contractors saw us up there, our teams, performing work, challenging work, work that was, you know, uh, installation work where sometimes it was so challenging to get to the contractors would come to us and say, Hey, do you even know how, can you do this? And we'd be like, absolutely. And it was really great because we were just showcasing our skills. And so what makes rig unique is we train our own people to our own standards. And so when we're out there on the job sites, executing we work, we actually have really good control measures for quality control. If that makes sense. And we train our competition. Anybody can come to rig and, and, and get rope access certifications. We train all kinds of people and rope access is just a, 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 an emerging industry. It's great for people who love to work at height and just kind of love that adventurous work uh, day. Um, there's all different styles of work, but if you like hanging on ropes and you like being way up there and you like working outdoors, sometimes indoors, it's, it's great. And it's emerging in the United States. It's huge in Europe smaller here and it has a big place in the entertainment industry we train lots of entertainment riggers in rope access um, because sometimes for instance when you're on a job in an arena and you have to get down to a lighting truss and that truss is already now in a fixed position it can't move and it's an hour before the doors and that light a light's out and you just the quickest solution is just swapping that light out well Old school, when I grew up, when I was young, we would just go out there and rigger with a rope, put a rope around the beam, rappel on down, take that rope, uh, you know, do some rigging, detach that light, send it to the ground, pull up a new light. No process, no procedures, just skills required and aptitude. Like, hey, do you have the skills and aptitude to do this? Rope access now is a lot, brings in 
much safer, create safer parameters. So everything on rope access is with two ropes and you have, uh, there's a structure behind the process. And so now, you know, um, guys trained in rope access and a project on an entertainment, we did a big job for Toyota a few years ago that was, they realized, wow, we need rope access for this because these guys are going to have to be descending and removing scenery and pulling up scenery. So anyway, it's, it's a long-winded explanation of what Rig, Rigging International Group does. Rope access training, rope access services for many different industries, construction, oil and gas, wind, power plants, and the entertainment industry. You know, that's great. That's great, Andrew. <laughs> you know, and safety, safety always comes first now. And I know that is something that you're profoundly uh, in, in touch with uh, constantly. Anytime I've ever talked to you or been around your team of workers before you even start, I know that you uh, approach that project with safety first. So we appreciate that information. You bet. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we write the uh, just kind of expanding on on safety here um, and just, you know, looking at, at projects in general. Um, you know, Andrew, what, what do you when you need to prepare for a production that requires extensive rigging? Um, you know, how do you how do you begin to kind of approach that? You know, and obviously keeping safety in mind. But what are what does that checklist kind of look like? Um, and the standpoint that you kind of take when, when making sure you're, you're covering your basis and your team's well-prepared for, for what's at hand? Well, that's a great question. And planning strategy, strategies are super important. And my planning strategy is based around a triangle. I love triangles. Every rigger should love triangles because it's the strongest, simplest shape, all right? And everything that we do in rigging, unless it's a dead hang, has to do with triangles. <laughs> so my one of my favorite my... geometric, uh, <laughs> yeah, symbols. Sure, I, Triangular. I love triangles. I love they're everywhere. They're in bridges. They're in truss. They're in cranes. You walk into Home Depot and you look up at the roof trusses above your head. It's just triangles everywhere. So my triangle planning strategy. I came up with this about a decade ago because all jobs really revolve around three things: safety time and money safety time and money all right no matter what when we look at a job and it is you know i receive an email about a job andrew will you look at this or will you come down to this company and sit around a boardroom and let's look at this potential job that we have the very first thing i always look at is like every safety aspect of this and things as the project comes on, you know, come out, right? Because number one thing is protecting the assets. The asset is, is, is humans. All right. That's what we do. And it's the human beings that are going to be involved with the project that are going to be at the project. So that's super key. If it's indoors, it's protecting the structure of the building working with the appropriate parties to ensure that what you're doing in there is um, absolutely redundant. You know, there, when, when we rig you, you know, we, we have terms out there, you know, that we throw around like bomb proof and, you know, engineers throw, that's more like a rigor term. Oh, it's super bomb proof. 
um, engineers, you know, use terms like redundancy. And that's what it's all about, right? So looking at it from that safety perspective as soon as everything starts. And then you look at every task associated with it from the timeline. How long does each project take? And since you have so many departments involved with these projects, and I can bring up a project, for instance, like Caterpillar, that I've done many years for Con Expo and Mine Expo, big jobs, lots of people involved, lots of people planning. And oftentimes there's people involved with this planning that are important people that you haven't even met yet for a long time, but they're actually affecting a lot of things on the project. So you have to say, you know, time-wise, how are we going to make this happen? How does this all get smashed into this little soup can? You know, it's like a big 50 gallon drum that just has to get compressed. And there's so many entities that are doing this simultaneously. It's like managing a battlefield from the very beginning and getting everybody on board. All right. So a very, uh, I'll make this a, a, a two minute story doing Caterpillar a few years ago at the convention center. All those pieces of equipment are brought in on big flatbed trailers called Tillerman's offloaded with cranes. They're actually bringing cranes. Dealco, the big Las Vegas crane company, has cranes in the convention center and they're offloading all these big pieces of equipment. Some pieces have to have two cranes. But what's happening at the same time is we're having to rig. I have boom lifts in there. I have tape measures on the floor, cables stretched across, you know. So in the very beginning of this job, months before in the planning stages at GES with Dealco, the crane guys on the job and us and being told what we have to do and our timelines and what we have. There's no stopping and waiting for anybody. It's just being fluid and organic. And using time and strategizing. So we get a great plan. Dealco is going to work here. We're going to work here. We've been planning this for, for, for two months. And then we get on the job site and it all blows out of the water. Dealco does whatever they want because they are the most expensive. We've got to get these machines off. That's the priority for Caterpillar. And Andrew, yes, you are managing thousands of dollars an hour of our money right now to rig. We need you to keep doing it and just make it happen. <laughs> So they're, so they're, 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 I can visualize this is a great story. Insane. So they're dropping everything all over the place oh. and you're having. To... Oh, yeah. Oh. And we're talking tons and tons of equipment here. Oh. Thousands and thousands of pounds. Yep. Oh, it's 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 great. So you're just always punting. So safety, you know, and that's a big safety thing. These cranes on the job site and our boom lifts on the job site and power cords. And, and telling these guys driving these semis with this equipment, hey, stop, no, don't run over our cords. You know, mm. I'm going and unplugging. It is literally like a rodeo. And so you have safety, you have time, and then you have money, all right? And everything out there is, is dollars and cents, is dollars and cents. I've worked on a lot of large films, a lot of medium films and a lot of small budget films. 
And the one thing that they all have in common is they have an on-set accountant. I've always found that interesting in the film and television world, that they have on-set accountants that are managing the budget, I mean, down to the minute, all right? Whereas in the other industry that I plan jobs for, in the trade show industry out there, that's kind of left up to maybe a project manager, a technical director. I've taken that role on myself as the head rigger, all right, that I'm managing from day one when I sit down at a meeting, you know, being brought in, I'm very direct with my communication of letting these people know, you know, I'm managing this job from a safety time and money perspective. And I know what my hourly cost is of my crew. Mm -hmm. And I think when somebody is developing their career, and these are things that I have caught on to, no one came to me and said, hey, Andrew, you know, here's a template for you to follow and you can build your rigging career this way and uh, start a company and all this. This is just stuff I've learned over the years and watching others. There's been no school to go and learn all this. It's been very mm -hmm. frustrating. All right. But there was a few things that have happened to my career where fortunately the lessons were so bold if you will, in front of me, I was like, wow, I can take advantage of this right now and really run with this the same way as mm. um, I've seen other businesses do. So like when you frame a house, you know, that when you build a house, every two by four is, is money. And yep. when I grew up watching a lumber package be put together for a home you know you might have a beam a glue lamb that's 25 feet long for that house well you don't order two glue lambs you order one glue lamb and that glue lamb they're not cheap seven hundred dollars and that's why you grow up being young being told measure twice cut once <laughs> because i've seen a few big beams get cut in my life that were wrong and that was hundreds of dollars eaten and <laughs> So I just took, it finally dawned on me. It was like, wow, my job, as I grew as a leader in this industry, going from just a dude on the job, showing up with my rope and a harness, there's so much leadership opportunities out there because every job needs a leader, all right? And I saw this and I, I wanted this. I naturally like to lead. I love being led too. I'm a great follower underneath good leadership. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely true. When, when, You're only as good as your leadership. I love for sure. jumping in on a team with great leadership. I, it's my favorite thing um, because it's great. You know well, what I mean? Um, this this allowed you to to actually have a voice, though. I mean, with all of this experience and what you've picked up, you know, you're now in a leadership role where, where those who are working underneath you or, or part of the team, I mean, I think, you know, these, these skills are, are really, um, you know, they're, they're needed to just help, help the generations that are coming up that want to get into this kind of do it a, a better way, a safer way, a savvier way. And so what I think of here, Andrew, as you're talking is, 
you know, as you've kind of experienced what you have over the years and, and have had the opportunity to lead and now become a voice in the industry, you know, you've got some platforms, I think, now that you can kind of use, um, you know, through through rig. But also, you know, I wanted to touch on some of the articles that you've been able to write in Exhibit City News and, and being able to share there um, again, as a voice and, and, you know, hey, here's what to look out for. Here are some things that you can do so that as people are reading this material, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're just educated right there on the spot. So can you touch a little bit here on, on Exhibit City News maybe or, you know, some other uh, authoring platforms where you're able to kind of write these articles and just share in this experience? Yeah, maybe like rigging safety protocols, Andrew, that, that we've read a uh, few times over that you've actually put into the Exhibit City News. Those are some great articles. What can you what can you focus on that with your audience here? What can you tell us? Yeah, I love talking about those articles because it's all about bringing awareness, right? Rigging is one of these interesting things, you guys. We're surrounded by rigging everywhere we go, everywhere we go. I brought up the example of going into a Home Depot and looking up and seeing triangles in the roof trusses. Everywhere you walk in a department store or there's stuff hung over your heads. There's stuff rigged wherever we go. And we need to be aware. We need to be looking up all the time. And, you know, not when we walk into our normal places of our life, but this is entertainment specific, really. But everybody on the job needs to be trained. Everybody needs to have an awareness. If you're on a job site in a trade show environment or in a ballroom or in an arena, you need to be trained. This is just my belief. Everybody needs to be trained at a basic level to be able to recognize hazards. They've already started doing that with the OSHA, right? So it's mandatory in the state of Nevada that everybody have their OSHA 10. Managers have to have their OSHA 30. And why that's important is that raises the level of safety awareness on jobs. Now, specific to rigging, when I was fortunate in 2011 to get hired by the state of Nevada to be the head rigger for UNLV, the Thomas and Mack Center, I realized at that time that I I really needed to become an educated rigger. At that time, I was not an educated rigger. I was a rigger who had learned hands-on. That is how my career had gone, all right? Never had I received any formal training, all right? As odd as that sounds. And this job with the state, kind of a few months into it, the gal who runs our front office for the production department She says, hey, Andrew, there's a rigging course in town. I wonder if you want to take it with Crosby. Do you know of Crosby? And I was like, well, yeah, sure, Crosby. They make shackles and rigging hardware. She goes, yeah, it's a three-day seminar at a hotel. I said, yeah, sure, sign me up. So they, they sent me to it. I was within two hours of that first day, I realized there was so much about my job that I did not know that I needed to know. And I was just like, wow, Andrew, you have got to take what you do to the next level if you're going to be involved in management. So I started becoming an educated rigger and spent 
a lot of time and investment um, doing online courses and doing actual courses that I would go up to Washington State to take at a place called Industrial Training International, ITI. I consider them to be the top rigging school in the United States. They didn't have entertainment rigging, but it didn't matter because it's rigging. All right. It's all the same. And I became a master rigger up there and I've researched as a master rigger. I've done my rigging um, inspection courses through them. I've done accident investigation through them and I've continued this education process. And so what this has done is kind of created the opportunity for me to be a big advocate of rigging right, rigging the safe way, not cutting corners, not um, accepting mediocre work, rigging right. And rigging is one of these few things where you can do it perfectly, okay? Because it's just a set of things that get put together. As humans, it's hard to be perfect, but there's things that we can do in our jobs and rigging to be perfect. One of those things would be like padding around a beam. There's a lot of people out there who just think that they don't have to pad a GAC flex galvanized aircraft cable. It's a sling EN60 that we use to wrap truss. And sometimes you need them to choke beams and stuff. And it has a soft jacket on it, like a span set. And I'm constantly having to like, Hey guys, you need to really put some good burlap and protect that because there's wire rope in there. And Oh, like, well, there's padding that has that jacket. And it's like, no, 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 no. So anyway, that's just a little thing. But so what this has done is this has just given me the opportunity because I became educated. I'm not talking from emotion. I'm talking from a logical standpoint. Like this is what manufacturers say that we need to do to rig right. So this is what we're going to do. So what, what happened with the whole, the impetus behind starting to write articles was we had a very prominent rigging accident in Las Vegas where a video wall, the rigging supporting a video wall, an LED wall failed. And what happened, pictures were taken instantly of what went down. They went viral around the world, literally. I mean, within an hour, these pictures of this rigging accident went around the world. Fortunately, no one was injured. Okay. No one was killed. No one was injured. Key. And so that's the perfect type of accident, right? It costs a lot of money. It's very embarrassing. It's humiliating. But when it's no one's injured, what can we learn from this accident? And basically what it was, it was wire rope got cut in an adjustable device. So I was asked by the ETCP, the Entertainment Technician Certification Program, which is the organization within the entertainment industry, part of Plaza and ESTA that provides the certification for entertainment riggers. We have arena rigging and we have theater rigging and they publish a magazine called protocol four times a year. And the ETCP, the rigging side of it or the lighting side of it, they will have somebody write an article for each magazine for the magazine. So they asked me to write an article about this situation. And I did, it was great. Um, it was just very analytical, very logical, you know, no places named, no names named, no companies named, 
And what enabled that is like maybe 15 years ago, you couldn't have done this. There's a lot of things in the entertainment industry where stuff is, it's just kind of pushed away. And these are opportunities that people should be learning from. So they're not repeated. All right. And um, so I wrote this article and then it was very well received. And then I approached Exhibit City News, which is a trade show, a very prominent trade show magazine uh, for that world, the expo world. Hey, would you guys like to run this? They're like, wow, we actually heard about this, but we couldn't get any information. And you're coming to us saying you wrote the article and asking us if we want to publish it. Sure. And so what happened there is that was very well received because their readership around the world knew about it, but didn't know about it. So now they were enlightened and Exhibit City News said, Andrew, we would like you to be a regular contributor to our magazine and we'll give you a column. Would you like to do this? And I said, well, yeah, sure. And it's great because I'm getting to educate a group of people that typically rely on us to be educated. When I say us, the people in the entertainment industry. So they hire us and expect us to be all that they need us to be but oftentimes maybe we're not and they don't know that and so if those people are trained in rigging just basics that gives them a greater ability to be that much more aware on their job so i'm i'm all for educating everybody in rigging and there's a point where like you know if you're not going to be on the job actually doing rigging well your education just kind of stops you know and you're going to be specialized in your career but in the entertainment world the audio guy needs to know about rigging and oftentimes they do they you on a concert you know the house riggers just rig the points rig the chain motors for the audio guys and then the audio guys come in and start running up their own hoist and attaching their own speakers and doing their thing all right oftentimes it's the same way with the lighting department oftentimes it's that way with the carpentry department every one of those groups within a production has to have rigging and they need to be trained in rigging. Everybody just gets trained to their level of where they utilize rigging. Um. <laughs> well, Andrew, to that, to that point, great information okay. here. Um, thinking about, you know, what training and preparations would you recommend for an individual who is wanting to become a rigger? And I realize that that's loaded for bare question. You've got a lot of uh, plethora of information out there, but a lot of people who really have a desire to get into this field, such as you did, um, where would they start? How, how would they go about preparing themselves to get educated? What can you tell us about that? Well, there's a few different paths for sure. You know, obviously the simplest path is online resources. Number one is desire. You know, you're like, you have to be interested in it. And sometimes, you know, you start something and you kind of segue into another part of the industry that kind of really grabs you. Right. So I, I've seen a lot of lot of people do that. But there's awesome online resources like ITI.com, Industrial Training International, great online rigging courses. We created a course that's there right now called the basic entertainment rigging and inspection course. It's fantastic. It's the intro course for new riggers that everybody that I hire, I have them take this. It's taught by Rocky Paulson. 
one of the originators of entertainment rigging education in the United States. He is just fantastic. Um, Crosby. And again, that, that's ITI.com for our audience. ITI.com. Yes, sir. ITI.com. Okay. And, you know, when there's other, when we open back up, there will be greater opportunities for in-person entertainment rigging education over at rig rigging international group we're about to launch entertainment rigging courses where you can come to us and get renewal credits for your etcp certification we'll be holding clinics um and we are running rope access courses right now but we're limited to half capacity you know for proper distancing um crosby the crosby group is a fantastic resource for rigging education information. They're just loaded. And that is a really awesome resource. Um, there's an organization in Las Vegas called the Stagecraft Institute. And in the summer times, they run these courses and they're fantastic. And they cover the full spectrum of the entertainment industry. And they do rigging courses at Silver State Wire Rope and Rigging. Then they come over to rig and we teach them about rope access in the entertainment industry. UNLV has an awesome theater program. Um, those are just a couple of the resources that I can think of right off the top. That's good. That's good information there. Um, well, I think here what we ought to try and do, this has been, I, I realize we've just touched on the surface here, Andrew. Um, and, and there will need to be many more podcasts because I'm kind of sitting on the edge of my seat here listening to your stories because obviously David Sage and I have worked alongside of you and we've done some really large projects together. Um, and I've, I've seen, obviously, and experienced a lot of your work and literally hundreds of points that you've had to put up in the air for many of our production shows that we've done. And so, uh, you know, we really appreciate what you're doing out there in terms of educating the people that we have to work alongside with and especially addressing and approaching the safety issue, which, again, going back so many years ago, as I briefly mentioned, uh, we just didn't have that rigging technology. We didn't have that experience. You know, we understood maybe what a shackle might have done, but did we really what its purpose was? But. We never really got into the fundamentals of a shackle, a Crosby. You know, you mentioned Crosby, you know, and how to properly use these kinds of, of hard, this hardware and these tools. And I think uh, it, it's, it's amazing and we need to get you back on board with this so we can drill deeper into some of your knowledge as we're going forward. Well, I appreciate that. This has been fun. Yeah, fantastic yeah. information for sure. Um, and we will see if we can obviously set something up and expand uh, or drill in a little bit further here. But did just want to let our listening audience know if you do have you know further questions, uh, you can either reach out directly to Andrew through his email address with Rig, which is Andrew at uh, Rigging International uh, Group dot com. Uh, R I G I N T L G R P dot com, or through Sage Tech uh, at SageTechLV dot com. Again, thanks, everybody. Appreciate that, you guys, for sure.